Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rose irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is episode 327, August 8th, 2022. August 8th is a beautiful day. And we're joined once again by Kyle Klingman in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Kyle, how was your weekend? I worked a a lot on projects for Flow Sports, a company that I love. And just kind of getting caught up from, uh, from Rome. And the the U seventeen World Championships had a blast there. Still buzzing from that uh, that environment. I lo- I love the World Championship concept, no matter what level. Yeah. So the the U twenties are going to be coming up here on Flow Wrestling, and you know I'll be waking up early to watch all of that live. You got to watch it live. I think that's that's important. So can't wait to to tune into that. Yeah, I got. And speaking of Rome, somebody who's out there uh, with you, our guest for today is Angel Cejudo. He had a guy wrestling out there and was coaching. And man, he's done a lot of wrestling his whole entire life. Angel, how the heck are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Man, I'm fantastic. Thanks. Um, and I want to talk about. Uh, I, there's so much, right? Um, Valiant prep, and we can work our way backwards. But I, I kind of want to go from the start, right? How old were you when you got into wrestling? What? When did you first? Step on a wrestling mat. And what do you remember? And what was that like? So I was in sixth grade when I first started. So I was roughly around 11 or 12 years old. Um, just joined the local um, middle school program. Um, that's how I got started. Uh, just by chance? Did, some, did you bring a flyer? Did, some, did a friend uh, uh, recommend well, it? Like my brother, George, who's a year older than me, was going to the school. And he, he was, you know, came home saying, hey, there's wrestling um uh at uh at our school so what what uh and i remember thinking man i want to wrestle because i grew up watching uh wwe and uh or wwf at the time yeah and uh i was excited for the next year and i was thinking i'm gonna walk into ropes and rings and mass and it was just a wrestling mat at the gym we had to roll in and roll out um and uh yeah, that's how I got started. I remember a year prior, couldn't wait to wrestle. So then it's not exactly what you think, but obviously it, it stuck. Um, and you, you, you had phenomenal success. Were you good right away? What, you know, what, what do you remember about early on? Yeah, I know, you know what? I, I was because of like the mindset growing up. Uh, you know, like I told you, I have an older brother named George, a year older. Then I have a little brother named Henry. And uh, we used to just, what's the natural thing to do growing up? You can't punch each other, so you wrestle all the time. So I think it, it came really natural for me, starting right out of the gate. You know, I think uh, it was, uh, you know, a coach or show technique. All I knew is that I couldn't lose. I mean, go home, tell my mom I lost, I wasn't good enough or wasn't strong. It was not one thing you wanted to do in a Mexican family, so uh you have to go out if you're going to do something you got to be the best at it and i think that was instilled in me for from the beginning okay so 
that's interesting. Not not wanting to go home and tell your mom, or you couldn't. Would she be not happy? Would she? I don't know. Punish you or or no dinner? No, she or... wouldn't punish me. But it was like um, pride thing. So if I if she watched me out there wrestling, I'm getting beat. Oh, I'm gonna get a. You know, my mom's gonna tell me what she feels like. You know, you don't go out there and you lose. And she would tell you, I don't want no losers in my house. Okay, you're gonna do there. You're gonna go and you're gonna win. And it's it's been like that from when I was five years old, man. Uh, she was very, she was competitive, and I just growing up and just going back and thinking right now that you got me got my brain spinning was she would always have us play games, but we would always compete against each other. Uh-huh. It didn't matter what it was, whether it was out in the playground, she had me and Henry race and who was the best monkey bars, just climb them. We could do the most pull-ups since we were little. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, that's actually, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. so there's, there's her, you know, pushing you guys or, or yeah. When did it become like a serious thing? Cause at some point you were like, I want to be a state champ. Was that right away? And obviously you won four titles and you never lost in high school. But when, when did it like, I guess I'm asking a couple of things here. Did you play other sports? And if so, when did it shift to being like all in on wrestling? Uh, did we? No, I, we didn't play other sports. But when you growing up, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, it, all you did was play sports, right? You go outside. If it was basketball season, um, you're playing basketball. If it's football, you're playing football. In the neighborhood, we grew up in apartments, so it was probably, you know, as soon as you walk out the door, you had a bunch of friends, and, and that was the thing to do was to play sports. Um, that's how I got started, and I think that's how you build athleticism and even uh, being competitive. So when I started wrestling, uh, it just came so easy. Uh, I think we our first year, you know, middle school, you don't know the level or how far you can go. I think it was the following year. When I met my coach, uh, Frank Sines and Richard Fimbres, who were already traveling kids throughout the country, when I joined with them at Maryville High School, that's when I think there was something outside of just a uh, local reg- regular season. So if, if, if you know, you're going through the apartments, you walk out the door and there's a pickup football game or pickup basketball or, or you guys are playing sports, was it the same way? Did you guys go outside and wrestle with the neighbors or were you like you went to the gym and wrestled on the mats and... And that's kind of where it all went down. Um, no, it was just, you know, when you, when you show your, you know, wrestling goes back to BCs and even the angel wrestle Jacob for a blessing. It's what you do when a bunch of guys or a bunch of boys get together. You got to show your toughness. A lot of times punches get thrown, but for the most part, you would wrestle. Not knowing what you're doing, you do, you know, I remember grabbing somebody, a headlock with no head, no arm in yeah. it. You know, you start grappling and uh, you don't know those rules. But you know, you knew if you had dominated somebody or not. And I think we used to do that growing up our whole life. When did it turn into goals? Like, uh, I'm guessing state champ and or beyond. Like, all right, this is like a thing. I'm not just trying to beat up my neighbors and prove I'm tough. But like, hey, there's, I want to really do something here and, and make some accomplishments. I think it's when you, when I met my my coaches, the, you know, my you know, I call him, you know, Frank was a father to me and, and Richard is a brother to me. It's when I met them and they had another level. And when they, when I met them, they knew right away that me and my brother, there was something different about us. And I think right away, um, the standards were set high, you know, you're going to be a national champ. You're going to be a world champ, national champ. And that's, that was always said in practice every single day, a hundred times of practice. You got to work hard. You got to bust your butt. You want to be a national champ, world, state champ. And you didn't know any different. You knew that's what you wanted to accomplish, and you were working hard for it. And when you said, you know, my coaches saw there was something different or special about me and my brother. Um, when did you realize that? Or, or actually, what was different, right? You, two of you versus any other kid that was in the gym or, or most of the other kids, what was different? Why were you guys better? Or having more I, success. I think we just, yeah, because it was, you know, wrestling's a tough sport. Yeah. But it, it, it was the love that we got for it right away. We just, I don't know, it was like it, a bug just bit you and you fell in love with the sport. And we could not get enough of it. You could think about it day and night. You go to bed, cannot wait to get to practice because it was something new. 
Um, and it was a whole nother world you didn't know about, you know, and, and that, I think that's what it was. We just fell in love with the sport. And, you know, one of the things that coaches look for in a kid is their commitment and their, if they're driven and uh, a lot of kids are being pushed by their parents, but you know, my mom worked so much. She had two jobs that we used to have to run to practice and we would do it. And you've been to Phoenix, you were out here in the summertime, hot, man, we would, me and my brother would run to practice uh, when we didn't have a ride, we'd always had to depend on other families to help us out, which we're grateful for them. And when they couldn't give us a ride, we were like, all right, man, let's go. Let's start running. It was just that we were driven. And I would say that. And, and considering there was you, George and, and Henry, how much wrestling went on at home? Were there broken lamps, broken arms, heads through the walls, whatever? You- <laughs> oh, that was an everyday thing. Um, you have, you know, you grow up with the older brother. I had I actually had two older brothers and, um, and then Henry's a year below me, but really the, the, the ones that made you tough was my sister, Gloria. She was two years ahead of me. And I remember I was getting in arguments and fight with her. Cause I always wanted to be right. And you don't usually win an argument with the girl. And she used to be my butt, man. She was tough girls at that age or what I was maybe Growing up, eight, nine, ten, and she's two years older than me. I never want to argue. I never want to fight. We'd fist fight uh, with George and Gloria. I mean, it was a brawl every day for the remote. Right? You're watching something. You want the remote. You you fight, or you're sitting on the couch, and if his foot or his leg stepped over just one inch into your part, you push him off, and and all of a sudden you start elbowing, and then you, the fists start going. So yeah, that's how it was. It almost sounds like that was a breeding ground. And like, you know, as much as you go to practice and, and get good, man, I feel like that at home's like a, a, an extra workout or an extra place to, to sharpen your skills or develop toughness. Oh, for sure. I mean, even like it, it, I always see this, the, the youngest ones that, that get beat up on, pounded on, always become the best at, at their sports. So it is, it was a, it was I mean, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of fights, but, you know, we loved each other and it's just part of growing up. You didn't know a difference. I mean, of course we weren't going to hurt each other, but it was something it's, it was normal for us. So did Henry get the brunt of the, of the whoopings? And maybe that's why he's had all that success. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was the one, (laughs) I mean, he took it, he got beat up. I mean, me and him were a year and a part older. Right. And, uh, and with him, it was at one, we're a year, I'm a year and a half older. And at one point we were growing up, I was just a little bigger, normal brother, you know, a little bigger. And then I hit this growth spurt. Like I just got like 25, 30 pounds heavier than him and bigger than him. It took him a while to develop. So a lot of it wasn't really a fight between me and him because I just pound him. Like if he talked wrong, I was smacking him. If he walked wrong, I was kicking him. Like it's, it's kind of how... I grew up, right? It was like, so even now, you know, I'm like, God, I, I regret a lot of that stuff, but, you know, and I guess I made him who he is now. Yeah. I don't know if it's a good thing. <laughs> uh, so did you have goals going into high school, right? Do you, you know, you never lost. You won four state titles. Did you think that was possible or did you even look that far down the road as a 14-year-old ninth grader? You know what? I I... You know, I didn't know the difference. I think it was growing up. It was just, you know, being undefeated. I didn't even know if that was even a thing, you know. Um, I just knew that growing up, you know, we grew up in a, you know, somewhat religious home. We grew up Pentecostal in the word and the church. And it was like, you got to speak in faith and and I'm a winner and uh, you got to speak it. And I think that was, you know, with, with the, my upbringing at home and with the coaches I had, that was just normal to me. Like, I didn't know the difference of like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be a state champ. I'm supposed to be a national champ. I'm supposed to be an Olympic champ. That's like the struggles that kids go with today with, with that word, you know, you see a lot of anxiety and kids not like being putting wrestling on a pedestal or to me, I don't know what it was. It was like, we, it was just something that was destined for it to happen. If I, I don't know if I answered that question. Yeah, sure. Did you ever put wrestling on a pedestal? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're, you know, wrestling's everything and wrestling never end. And, 
it does. It ends one day, right? Yeah. So I try to change the way now coaching wise, I try to, you know, change it a little bit. Wrestling, you know, is is great and everything, but you know, let's try to focus on what we can do today and not worry about national championships or world championships. As long as we get to work, what we do today will eventually the outcomes will come later on. I think that's what I changed up a little bit. Sure. I think that happens with age typically, right? Um, yeah. So you're, you probably had opportunities for college. Um, and I know you guys ended up going to Colorado Springs. What was that? What was that like? How did that come about? What, you know, where did the conversation start and, and how did they get to where they did? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, here's what it was. I, I was, you know, ranked really high in the country. I was probably number one ranked kid. Um, I got a scholarship to go to ASU right away. You, you know, you commit to your, your hometown, but I just didn't have the grades. I didn't have the uh, academics to get into uh, ASU. So an opportunity presented itself. I think Doc Bennett, uh, they had just started the uh, program in uh, Colorado Springs, you know, bringing in a kid, you know, first year graduate, graduating high school, going to the Olympic Training Center, and then, you know, from there, you go on to the university you want to go to. So I already knew I was going there. And, um, but Henry, they had not started that high school program yet. But Henry had went to the Olympic Training Center in 2004, the summer of 2004, to be Patricia Miranda's training partner. Uh, the first year that the women's, uh, the Olympics sanctioned women's wrestling. And he, uh, he trained there, and then I think they looked at him. They were like, hey, this kid, who is this kid? And they're like, oh, you know, it's Henry. His, his brother's coming next year. When they saw him, they're like, he needs to come with his brother. So that's kind of how that whole uh, everything started for me and him. Because I was already going to go, but it was it was he came with me because they saw him training. I mean, he would go to freestyle practice, women's practice, Greco practice. He was practicing all day. And they're like, who is this kid? And when they found out, they brought him along. What was that, what was that like moving to Colorado and full-time wrestler, essentially? Um, it, was, it was good. It was different. It was definitely being on your own, um, not being uh, with family and friends, being in the dorms, being alone by yourself. Before, you know, we'd have to, you know, being in a household – we have to sleep in, you know, two, three deep in a bed, mm -hmm. on a floor, on a couch. Now we have our own separate room, which was kind of weird for me. You know, Henry lived down the hall, and I was, I was uh, in the middle of the hall. He was at the end. It was kind of, it was kind of lonely a little bit at first. Well, okay, to that, what was the toughest? What did you like most about it? And it's kind of two-sided question. What was the toughest transition, living on your, kind of some of the things you said, but, yeah, yeah. Um, the toughest was probably just that family and friends, uh, you know, you're used to a certain way of life and, and you're comfortable. And I think having to be on our own and, you know, we didn't have very much, you know, but we had everything we needed was there. We had food, we had shelter, we had water, we had the best coaching in the world. And that right there dro drove you, right? It was the, the fact that you had goals to be the best and no matter what. And I mean, the, the worst thing was that I was bored or, or I couldn't see my family. I mean, not a, big deal right as, as as long as your 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 uh your goals are so high set so high and, and learning there with the best coaches i mean that that's what drove you yeah and how long did you train how long did you live in colorado and train out there i was there from 2004 to about i trained there about 2011 or 10 and mm -hmm. then uh you know got out or well, i was in the army for a little bit they got out of the army but i stuck around colorado to about 2014. So I was there in Colorado for 10 years, but I would probably train for seven, eight. Okay. Um, tell me about the army. What, what was the decision like? Why did you decide to go into the army? Man, it was, uh, it was probably the best decision um, being in the army. I think that's, uh, that's the, if you're going to wrestle, I, maybe then now it's a little different with RTCs and a lot of guys are getting paid more money. But mm -hmm. when I was wrestling and from 2004 to, 11 you didn't have those opportunities you have now yeah. so and even you could take that back to you know dave schultz days where we were had more but not not that much more 
So being in the army, they they took care of you, your family, medical. You got paid every month. You knew you could pay the bills. I think at that time, I mean, you didn't. A lot of guys didn't have the money to to do extra stuff. Yeah, you were at the training center, and you got you know your meals and shelter. But when you're out of college, you're 25, 26. It's kind of hard to rely on other people. So the army provided security, is what I would say. And what what were your obligations? Right. You're in the army. What did obviously I don't believe you're like going over in combat, but like what do you you know, they're paying you and like what? Why? What are you doing? You know, the obligations really your job is to uh, train and wrestle. And that's that was it. I mean, I went to formation uh, on Mondays in the morning, but I mean, I didn't wear my uniform very my my uh, my uniform very much because I was constantly my job was to wrestle. And it was the greatest thing, and I think it still is. If yeah. there's if there's anyone out there that doesn't, they don't know what what to do. I would recommend that you call Bruce or you call Sean Lewis, man, and, and see what they got to offer. I truly, I truly, truly believe in that program. Sure. So at some point, you 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 moved back to Arizona. I know you were coaching at Fight Ready. Was there were you coaching anywhere else before that? No. Um, I wasn't. I was out of the sport for about two, three years. You know, there's a love-hate relationship with the sport. Oh, yeah. You want to be done with it, and and that's kind of how I felt. And then eventually, I got, you know, dragged in. I think it was a lot of it was, you know, you, you had this void that you didn't accomplish, or you, you know, a lot of things that you set out to do. And I think a lot of it was just, um, just a void, being a shame. I'm not, you know, you put this, like I said, this wrestling on a pedestal and everyone you're you feel like everybody's relying on you to, to do great things and so for a little bit I didn't even want to come home so when I worked my way back I think fight ready opened up an opportunity for me and to be a wrestling coach there and finally I think after like two three years out of it I'm like I mean I'm done I'm ready to get back into the sport I'm going to be the best coach ever I had this whole whole speech in my head that I did and uh, at that time, when I remember saying I'm done, you not being part of the sport, uh, Dave Zowine of Fight Ready was like, hey, you should, you know, think about coaching here. And little by little, I got back into it. And now we're here at Valiant College Prep. Was Fight Ready training wrestlers or was it training fighters in wrestling for, for fighting or both? It was it was both. Um, it was both when I got there. Henry was just starting. Well, he was in the sport for a couple of years now. And they wanted to start a wrestling program, and it was in, like, North Scottsdale. So, you know, I just worked out that I, you know, they wanted a program, and I was looking for to coach. And with that came, you know, helping and coaching a lot of the MMA fighters we have there. Okay. Um, and so I know we, we talked about this when I visited, but when did you hear about Valiant? How did this opportunity present itself? Well, what did you hear about Valiant, and what did you think at first? Because it's, it's not – normal it's not it's not normal until you uh until you're here right you get to see it you know a lot of it starts with the vision you know and i think uh you know the visionary of this this whole school was eric larkin and mike douglas and at the time me and um you know i had my club it was called olympus uh wrestling and then larkin and mike douglas had thoroughbred wrestling and we were competitive we were rivals but you know we were friends um, you know, we didn't have that. Um, I didn't want to see him win. He didn't want to see me win. No, we wanted to both see ourselves grow in the sport. And I think, you know, when he presented this idea to me, uh, he asked, you know, if uh, he has this idea about being a, uh, starting a private school, a wrestling school. And uh, at first I was kind of, I wasn't hesitant, but uh, I, was, I was like, I don't see it. You know, what if we do charter? Because at the time, charter schools are just blowing up. He goes, no, we have to do private school. So I I trusted Larkin because, you know, when I was a kid, Larkin was the man, man. Larkin was the golden boy of Arizona. And great human being, great guy uh, ever since I was young. He's about four or five years older than me. So when I was at Maryville Wrestling, and, and I was a better wrestler, you know, I was one of the top guys in the country. So in my room, I couldn't get pushed. So Larkin would have come out and wrestle with me. And that's a 30, 35, 40 minute drive from him. And he'd come out and um, and wrestle with me. So 
when he told me this, when I got back, I, I said, I told him, Hey man, if you ever need anything from me, just let me know. And I think he, he made the call and, and we got it going. And so for anybody who doesn't know, explain what Valiant Prep is. I think Valiant Prep is the first of its kind where it's, it's, um, it's a, a vision that, you know, I would say like-minded people came together. It's a private school. We have 75 students right now. We, it, this is our first day of school today. It's oh, exciting congrats. to see everybody oh, back. Yeah. And uh, we have 75 kids. Um, we have uh, the, uh, most of them, Russ, I would say 98 to 99% of them, Russell. We have a, also about 20 girls in our, in our program as well. So we're growing the sport of the, women, the girls wrestling. And it's a, a wrestling school. It's a private school, but we focus. I mean, it's, it's a good school academically. Um, but yeah, it's driven by a bunch of wrestlers. Yeah. And l- let's talk about the academic side. Cause I feel like maybe it gets lost. And at least what I believe I've heard from you guys is it's a really strong and probably overlooked, um, component of the school, huge component, right? Schools are for academics. This one's a little bit of both, but, um, where does Arizona lie with typically, um, the academic side of things compared to the rest of the country? How does Valiant Prep help maybe make up that gap? Well, Arizona, I would say it's probably one, and when it comes to academics, one of the lowest in the states. I'm not sure exactly what number we fall on, but most most private schools, like this is a private school, you test in if you're smart enough to come into a private school and you don't have Valiant. So a lot of times we get kids that come in with the third grade reading level, second grade reading level, and we help to special, we help them catch up so we'll specialize a lot of it with kids that that aren't aren't proficient in reading or math make sure that we put enough effort into those kids so our our school ratio is 10 to 1 um, 10 students to one teacher so they get more attention and they don't fall through the cracks of the school uh, of public schools our teachers and our and our principal is on top of every single kid um the parents get an email every week if not a couple if they're doing good they get an email if they're do, if they're not paying attention or they're not um doing their work they're constantly being uh there's there's emails being sent out phone calls we don't leave any of those kids behind we make sure that we just don't we don't just pass them through we're going to catch them up i think that's what makes us a little different and it makes us a little more uh makes it special the yeah. fact that it's just it's not just wrestling it's the academics and there's 75 kids. Is it 7 through 12? What are the grades? 6 through 12. 6 through 12. Okay. Yeah, 6 through 12. So we have every, uh, we have every, you know, subject. We have already put in a few kids into the Division One um, uh, schools. We have, you know, Emilio Yazagiri at ASU. This year we've put Tanner Mendoza at Little Rock. Uh, Benji Alanis, he went to Northern Colorado. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting them. Uh, where they need to go and it's tuition based but i don't there's like assistance for some kids because probably not every kid can afford is that right and how does that work yeah there's assistance there's scholarships um for a lot not you know people that can't afford coming to the school there is assistance if they can't afford it um you know we have a a large group of uh if you you were here uh if you look at the area we're in it's not the it's not the nicest it's the roughest part of town but uh yeah, I mean, our goal is to get young kids that, you know, Arizona kids and, and get them to the next level, which is wrestling's awesome. But my, my goal, my vision is uh, getting them to Division One Ivy Leagues. That's that's what I want to see from our, our program. And let's talk about Eloy and these Eloy boys. You know, I, I came down and we spent a few days at Valiant. We went down to Eloy, which is like an hour away. But <laughs> you can you describe to me this group, I don't know, 12, 15, give or take, kids i think there's a couple girls mixed in too but they do everything together oh you want to talk about a good group of kids i mean you were out here a month ago uh you know you have emilio uh yasagiri senior running the show man uh driving the bus and i think he's a visionary as well he he sees um you know his boy coming to him at seventh and eighth grade i said dad you know I want to wrestle at you know ASU or I want to wrestle at Division One in college, and that was unheard of in that in that town. So I think with him, you know, he reached out. Um, 
and we got close. We were really, really close with that whole group. I think they remind me a lot of the way I was brought up, the way I grew up, which is, uh, it was the same thing. We had one coach that, that had a vision for us to do better. And it's the same thing with Eloy. They're tough kids, respected. They're real respectful. Um, they work hard. I mean, you were out there. Um, what did you think about it? It's crazy. It's 116 degrees. They're wrestling in a, in a, a garage shop turned into, you know, there's like a three strip, two, three strips of mat or something. They, they turn on the oscillating fan and it feels like a, a hairdryer because it's blowing this hot air on you. Um, they finish practice and they go, somebody's mom or grandma makes food for all of them. They'll hang out, go jump in the canal, maybe take a nap, maybe sit or they're just together the whole thing. They come back and train again. Um, maybe a third time, and then they're going over to somebody's house to barbecue in the evening. Again, all of them together the whole time playing, you know, that rough housing. They're beating up on each other. They're picking on each other in a fun way. But, you know, um, they're just like a bunch of brothers. It was – we're, you know, we're doing a film project on them. I'm really excited for that to come out because – it's like nothing I've ever really seen, and I, I was really impressed with. And you said Emilio Senior kind of runs the ship, and they had uh, Rahelio, one of the dads, and Coach Ibarra, Izzy, the Cajun Mexican. Uh, I call him because uh, you can't understand what he says, but they're yeah. all just so impassioned, and and it's a real cool thing that got going on. I've never seen anything like it. No, definitely. You, there's another part of you know of our country, our great beautiful country that you know people have not been able to see right you talk about midwest farm boys yeah. oh, we got some farm boys in arizona too it's in the desert at 116 tough kids man tough tough kids and i think just with their fruits of their labor man they are you know put their you know two kids into the division one they would have never nobody would have ever thought that you know kids coming out of eli would happen i mean because i grew up when i was wrestling and i was in middle school I would rival against kids in Eloy, but outside of middle school, you don't hear of them anymore. They're done. I don't know what it is. They either get a job or they get a girlfriend. They get into, they go to, uh, they get into trouble. You start hanging out with the wrong crowd, but with, you know, with Emilia, Rogelio and Izzy, you know, they changed a whole generation. And I truly believe, and I said this when I first met them, that they were going to, they were going to change that town. You know, there's going to be a movie about you guys from the first time I met them because I knew how driven they were. Um, yeah. So they have two kids and two kids already. The first two kids to graduate went to a Division One school, which is, man, that's why we're doing this here at Valley. Yeah, that's uh, Davion Guanajuato and, and uh, Mila Jr., right? Yes. Yeah, pretty awesome. Um, okay, let's talk coaching a little bit because I, I got to see you kind of – doing your thing and there's some coaches who were just like whatever they've always done is what they do and it's fine and they work hard and they do drills and but I feel like you were like taking the newest things and implementing them whether it's technique or like um style of coaching or structure of practice how much are you changing the way you coach as time goes on yeah, just the, the traditional, you know, changing that paradigm of, of old school wrestling and coaching. There's nothing wrong with that. Being the toughest and the most conditioned is always, you know, will take you very, very far. I, I truly believe that, you know, with flow wrestling and YouTube and, and the information, it's an information age. With all this, you have to change with the times. You have to educate yourself. And I think a lot of it is just the way my brain's always thinking, how can I make things better? And uh, I just think the old way of doing things, it's over, it's done. If you don't change with the times, which is new wave, a new wave of kids, right? Every generation will tell you, oh, you're, you're, you're soft, because I was told that, and the generation before me, and, and, you know, you had the baby, right? Yeah. But now you're dealing with a whole nother, you know, generations used to be every 20 years, and then every 10. Now it's every two, three years generations are changing. I'll give an example. My daughter used to watch a lot of, you know, she was probably the last generation of watching cartoons. My son who's 12. I don't think he ever got into cartoons. 
I don't know how I'm getting into this, but that's how I love it. He he watches YouTube. He watches a one of somebody playing video games. So you gotta you gotta learn to change. So not to say that they're softer. It's just you have to train them differently. Because if you still treat them the old school way, you're gonna lose them. So I try to um, be more educated. I mean, being with Henry, the UMMA has really changed the way I, I coach more scientifically recovery. Um, with him, you know, when he fought with Demetrius John for Demetrius Johnson's fight, he did so much less and was in better shape. And a lot of it comes from the recovery. So we try to change it that way. And maybe you just answer my question. Where, where are you getting most of your? You said I gotta stay up, stay current, and learn. And that that that's an example. But. Are there other examples of, of where you're learning how to coach? I'm sure part of that's collaborating with Eric and, and other things. Yeah, I think, you know, reading uh, books when somebody tells me, hey, man, you got to read this book, you know, the talent code. You have to read uh, the inner game of tennis. I'm always educating myself outside of my sport. So I'm always watching wrestling. I've always, I don't watch any American wrestling. I'm always watching the Russians. Um, I think they're doing it right. Um, so for me, I, sometimes I go outside of my, my sport. So I look at, you know, when I was coaching, I'm like, okay, who has the best footwork in the world? You know, boxing. Uh, the other one to me is fencing. How, do, how can a fencer go in and out so fast and cover ground? So when I started to go and research fencing on YouTube and I'm watching, I'm like looking at their footwork and you start to look and you're like, wow, this is wrestling. They're changing levels. They're like changing levels so deep and they're moving backwards and forwards so fast. So I'm like, I'm changing what I'm doing. I got to focus on footwork. So I'm always educating myself with anything I can. If I'm at a tournament, I see an eight-year-old do a move. I'm like, huh, I'll, I'll walk up to him and ask him, what did you do? I don't care. I'll learn from anybody. <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. That is awesome. I never would have thought, you know, Probably most wrestlers would say fencing. We work so much oh. harder. That's it. Come on. That's it. I don't know how long the game. I don't even know what to call them. It's match game. It's short. It's like how can we take anything from that? The footwork though. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's when I met a few. I know I met a few people. Was with Sergey was at the training center when I I was first got there. I knew I always wanted to coach, so I'd ask him, "Hey, uh, Sergey, how do you guys do it in Russia? What makes Russia so good?" And he would tell me. He said, oh, at eight years old, seven, only games, soccer, maybe soccer. You're like, what? You know, and then I started to educate myself with, you know, I'll show you right now. Watch this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so it's the principles of sports training. So, you know, when when I talk to friends of mine, they're like, hey, you got to read this book. This is an old German book, 1960. I have another one. Shoot, I'll get it right here. (laughs) <laughs> this is the original, um, the fundamentals of sports training. This is what most coaches right now with the, with, um, this is the old Soviet book. So it talks about training the kid according to his age group. So that's what I try to focus on, on kids. And, and I focus more on development than winning. And I know it's hard. I lose a lot of parents, but that is my, that's what I fall into. The process and development. The winning will come later. Well, I don't because you guys don't get to compete the high school the high school season. Probably you probably don't get as much matches over 365 days as a kid who goes to the school and competes for the Arizona State title. So, do you feel like um, part of it is that you're develop? I mean, you should develop the whole time, but you're not worried about the next competition constantly, and you can just try to get better. Yeah, and that you're 100 percent correct. Um, if you really look at these books or you look and you start to educate yourself um, on on this, like a kid should not be competing 100, 200 matches uh, a year or a kid at that age or let's just say let's take a nine year old should not be competing 10 matches on sat- every Saturday. And I know a lot of parents, you know, they'll tell me, hey, uh, man, we went to these scraps and we got 20 matches this weekend. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> I'm like, keep doing that. We'll see how far your kid goes. Oh my uh, We'll see how far your kid goes. But for me, 
my son, who's 12 years old now, he started last year. I didn't get him wrestling until last year. Yeah. He was barefooted, you know, uh, most of the time in the wrestling room because I would not let him compete or wrestle. Now I'm starting to develop him a little bit because, you know, now he's at that age. He's 12. He's going to be 13 soon. And, and he did three competitions last year, and that was it. So I'm going to take my time because I don't have to – my here being a valiant, I don't, I don't have a quota of winning every tournament. You have to win so many matches to be a coach here. I think Larkin just sees the vision, the overall vision, which is to develop and grow these kids. And if we fast track them, we won't get them. We won't, they won't last in the sport. They will not be wrestling in college right now. What's the, what's the big picture goal at Valiant, what do you guys want to be in a, a year, five, ten years? What, what what do you want to be happening? What's it going to look like? I mean, I can speak for myself. I would love to see more models that we have throughout the country. I think that's the this should be the new wave. I think we're a perfect example of you know taking a chance, taking a faith, taking a leap. Like man, this is something unheard of. I would love to see. It doesn't. Have, be a valiant. I would love to see a model like us throughout the country. If we are ever going to compete in the world year after year after year, you guys got to remember the guys we have right now on our world team, they're a lot older now. Mm-hmm. Once they leave, who's going to take their place? So I think we're in a unique situation right now with, you know, and I was telling this to uh, McKnight at the, um, they're in Italy. I was just telling my theory. I think, you know, one thing that I'm hearing around the country, or, you know, everyone talking about how the Russians are struggling a little bit more to keep kids involved with technology and phone and social media and Instagram. And I think we're in a u- unique situation because we have dealt with those uh, type of situations since our country was born, right? Drug, sex, and rock and roll. And you, how do we get kids to come in? They go from being devoted uh, to a certain sport, now they see the, the outside world, man, we could make a big jump and leap if we focus on our development in this country. That's what I would like to see more development throughout the country. All right. So let's go like uh, calendar schedule, whatever you want to call it. You guys, you just came, you were, I saw you at Fargo. You went straight from Fargo to cadets or U17s, they call it now. Um, wh- you guys, I think you said you pause, but like, when do you pick up again? How hard do you train? When's the next competition for these guys and girls? Yeah, so we're, we're, we had a week off. Um, our, most of our wrestlers were about two to three weeks um, off already. I usually don't let them come back on the mat till September. I have to switch it up this year because I love to, you know, when I talk about recovery, I want them to recovery and get ready, but Super 32s is our next focus. That's our, our number one priority. So we're going to get them going now. We were trying to get a, a, a competition in, at least two competitions before Super 32s. So I think we're going to see if we can, uh, you know, maybe go to DC's uh, Fargo qualifier, or not Fargo, Super 32 qualifiers. We're trying to get on the mat and folks out as soon as possible, just because, uh, through you know, since we've been here, We've, we struggled at Super 32s because that's our only folk style competition we have all year. And we are a folk style team. It's just we're not able to compete during the regular season. So what we're going to try this year is get three or four competitions before we, we have to just stop and train. Again, just focus more on training because from November to was February, we're kind of off season. So we're going to make that our off season. Crazy. And we're going to mix it up a little bit. Is there a goal to, would you guys like to be able to compete in the Arizona high school state tournament? And is there a goal to get that? I guess it's called a sanction. I think. Um, we don't want to compete in the Arizona state tournament. We would love to be an associate member, which would allow us to compete with teams like Blair teams like Sam, uh, be part of the national prep. We would love to be part of the national prep. Sure. Uh, we've been working on that for the last four years. I think we've been denied. Um, it'd be awesome, man. I think if we, we, you know, you get Valiant on uh, with, with Sam and Blair and uh, who else? Do they have another team outside of uh, those two. 
you put us in the mix, man, it, it just competitions will make it so everything grows. So we would love to do that. Um, but if it's not an option, I don't think our goals change anyways. We just continue to get better and move forward. It almost feels like the way you, you know, with the, like we're getting ready for Super 32s right now. And it almost feels like more like the, the freestyle calendar than like the high school or college where it's like every weekend, every three, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, I love the fact that we are, that's what we, we should be doing. Um, yeah. So it is, it is more like we train more like professional, like the um, uh, senior athletes because we mm-hmm. don't compete every weekend and we don't compete duels. We would love to do that. We would love to compete against like We have a good, we have some tough kids that I think, you know, deserve the chance to be recognized at the highest level or the highest turn, the best tournaments in the country. We just don't have that luxury right now, but um, I think we will soon. I mean, we're, we're getting better and hopefully, you know, next couple months we can compete against some better teams or even tougher teams. I think we're going to host an event here October 1st. Okay. Um, we're going to try to get people to come out and, and wrestle against Christian Castillo. Um, I would say he's probably the best kid in the country right now. You know, Kyler Larkin. Um, we want to get those guys wrestling the best kids in the country. Okay, you mentioned Christian Castillo. That, what was that? that he jumped over the kid in the, in the closing seconds. Walk me through that from your, your point of view. Or, you know. Yeah, it's hard to uh, say that you didn't. That it's hard to never count a kid out, but like reality sinks in. It's like uh, realistically, uh, he's probably not gonna win. He's three seconds left, six, whatever it was, and he he jumps right over the kid. Were you, were you surprised? I was. I actually kind of missed it. I put my head down. Like I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh. But you know what? He was winning six zero. The kid came back on him. That last call was so questionable. They gave it to the Iranian. We still had the leg. It was kind of a weird situation because I don't want to say it's corruption because, but it was a bad call. We actually won the call. So they, 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 uh, they gave the kid a push out and they, they, you know, they reviewed it. We, the, the judge came back and he said, challenge loss and then gave us a point. If you go back and watch it, one of my coaches was there watching the whole situation. He said another ref yelled, no, challenge one, two, red. And, and like they had already gave us a point. The guy leaves, goes back to review, walks back and changes the score on us with four seconds left. Wow. Now, I don't know what to say about that. We knew going in there, things are going to happen. So we, we can rely on the ref. And, right. and when he jumped over, I was like, I mean, this guy's meant for this. This guy is so meant to be in that stage. Yeah. He's, he has a personality to him. That's, and, and, uh, and the mullet to match. Oh, yeah. He, he, even in the 80s, he could compete with the best mullets <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Great. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see you guys um, out at Super 32 and to continue to watch Valiant Prep kind of move and grow and evolve. Um, but we got Kyle Klingman over here hanging out. And he's got a set of questions for here. He's going to try to stump you. So, uh, all righty. We'll let Kyle take over. Yeah, one of the rare times I have six questions for you. Usually it's five, but it's our game called Sweat It Out. Are you ready to play? Yep. All right. Let's do it. Number one, according to the book of Genesis, you mentioned this earlier, what part of the body did the angel injure when the angel wrestled Jacob? His hip. Got it. Where's the bell? That yeah, he's got a bell. All right, number two. What superstar baseball player with the last name of a fish currently plays for the Los Angeles Angels? Oof. I don't know. Mike Trout. <laughs> Mike Trout. All right. You, have you heard of it? Isn't it? Strange no, I don't though? watch baseball. Okay, but it's the Los Angeles Angels. Isn't that the Angels? The Angels. If you said that in English. Yeah, it is. Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah that's strange. <laughs> Number three, name a college wrestling coach who has the first name Angel. Escobedo. Got it. Number four, what movie starring Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed is about an angel sent from heaven to help a desperately frustrated businessman by showing him what life would be like had he never been born? Oof. I don't know. 
All right, it's a it's a popular Christmas movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. Got the yeah. angel theme going on. I see what you're doing here, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> and number five, what television show about a probationary angel sent to Earth teams with an ex-cop to help people? Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Michael Landon's Highway to Heaven. You're showing some, some uh, crazy ones out here today, Kyle. <laughs> I know. And number six, does Mark Bader's long hair make him look like an angel? <laughs> Yes. That is true. That is true. Yep, uh, you got it. Kyle, it thanks for the like questions. Angel. Fantastic. Yep. Um, Angel, thanks for joining us, man. This is this has been a real treat. I love what you guys are doing out there at Valiant Prep, um, and I wish you guys continued success. We're going to leave you with the final word. Oh, hey, you guys. Thank you guys for having me, man, and it's been an honor to be on the show and Thank you guys for the good work you guys are doing throughout uh, throughout uh, the country and the sport, man, for growing it. I think you guys are the big reason why we are competing against a bet, uh, against Russia. The innovation of, of wrestling is – I think it all started with the flow wrestling, and, and I appreciate it, and thank you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much, Angel. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, I'll, I'll continue to watch you guys tear it up. Uh, have a great day. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Yep, bye. All right, Kyle. Another banger of a show, um, Angel Cejudo and, and the guys out there in Valiant doing something really special, and, and hopefully it catches on and we see more of it because I think, I think it could really pay off and really help the country. Quite a story, isn't it? It's, yeah. uh, it's like no other. Can't yeah. wait to continue to follow what they do. Absolutely, and look out for that film on the Eloy boys coming out uh, later this year, maybe early next year, but uh, really, really excited about that. So that's going to do it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow with Anthony Ashnault. So for Kyle Klingman, I'm Mark Bader. We'll see you then. Thanks. See ya. Later.